We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Make sure this is okay. So it is recording right now. Cool. Um, so yeah, I will count us in and then we will just get going. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. All right. So in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Now, I attended NAMT uh, conference in late November uh, of this year, and, and I met so many great people there. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, NAMT is the National Alliance for Musical Theater, a, a conference for the top theater companies and producers and artistic directors from around the world uh, to get together and, and talk about nothing but musical theater and new shows. It's such an incredible experience. Today, uh, we're going to talk to the Director of Communications and uh, the Producing Artistic Director and Co-Founder of 11th Hour Theatre Company and learn more about them, the company, and some of the new musicals that they have worked on. So I, I want to welcome to the show Gracie Hoffman and Michael Philip O'Brien. Gracie, Michael, welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having oh, us. Wow. Yes, awesome. thank you so much. We're glad to be here. No problem, no problem. So I always start out each one of my interviews the same because I want to get to know you guys a little bit better. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Gracie, first. Uh, sure. Give us your 30-second bio. Who is Gracie in 30 seconds? Oh, gosh. All right, start the timer. Ready? And go. Um, so I am a, uh, a Philadelphia native. I grew up in Pennsylvania, and then I attended college at the University of Pennsylvania and stuck around because I love Philly so much. Um, I'm a theater maker, a producer, obviously the director of communications for 11th Hour, and then I also have co-founded my own company um, that is devised theater for uh, feminist storytelling called Paper Doll Ensemble. Um, I'm a dancer, a puppeteer, a marketing person. Um, let's see, what other hats do I wear? I'm also a, a teaching artist. So I have actually have a dance class scheduled later today with some small children. So uh, yeah, that's, that's me. All right, that was 36 seconds. I'm going to have to cut off some of it, but that's okay. Uh, I will, I will. Uh... Start it. <laughs> well, well Michael, good. can you keep it within the 30 yeah, seconds? Probably not. If Once you get to know me, you'll know that I'm long-winded. <laughs> yeah. um, but thanks, Gracie. But um, yeah, my, um, I am a uh, producer and uh, performer um, who is also a Philadelphia native. Um, I went to NYU uh, for acting and got my BFA there and then came back to Philly and uh, wanted to kind of create my own work um, in the musical theater field, which is a crazy idea. And so my friend Steve Pasek and I got together and we uh, decided to produce a concert, a cabaret, and uh, it went well. And then we said, you know what, let's make this a go. So we created 11th Hour Theater Company in 2003, officially, and um, and then produced our first full-scale musical in 2005. And uh, it's been, we're in our 16th season now. So uh, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I, I, I made my living as a performer for a long time and now it's mostly as a, an artistic director. Nice. Well, congratulations on, on starting the company. We're going to learn more about the theater company in a minute. And, and that was pretty close to 30 seconds. That All was right. pretty good. So good. <laughs> congratulations. I think I won. I, I think I won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you always win, Gracie. 
ooh, ooh, we're getting some good juice here yeah, for the show. I, I, awesome. I've accepted that fact a long time ago. Uh-huh. Good. See, he's self-aware. Uh, nice. Yep. So before we talk about the, the 11th hour and all that stuff, I want to learn a little bit more about you guys. Uh, you know, Gracie, we'll start with you. Were you sure. always into musical theater and theater in general, you know, growing up? Or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? Um, I was always obsessed with musical theater. I think it it kind of sprang from my mom. Um, I grew up listening, you know, she had like cassette tapes of Phantom of the Opera, the, you know, original music and watching Annie. Um, uh, my first memory of seeing live theater was the high school production came to my elementary school and I was a, like an eight-year-old little kid watching this production of Annie and I, I snuck into the bathroom where they were changing costumes and asked for Annie's autograph on the back of a sticker because it's the only thing I had and I kept that for a, an absurdly long time because I thought she was so talented and it just blew my mind. Um, and uh yeah i've always loved music musical theater you know from movie musicals disney all that jazz um and then i i was in musicals all throughout high school and in college and then uh you know i just can't imagine doing anything else so yeah i'd say from from birth you know my mom she played me musical theater in the womb Nice. So question is, how much is that uh, autograph worth now? You know, I can't even read the name and I have no idea. I I have no idea who she was. Who is this Indina uh, Menzel person? (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, could you imagine? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I should find it and try it and uh, I'll put it up. Nice. And Michael, the same question for you. Were you always in a musical theater or that's something that uh, came a little bit later? Yeah, I, I was I was into it from a very young age. I when I was about four, my um, I wanted to take karate classes. I was really I really really wanted to do that. Um, and my mom put me in dance class, which was a, a bone of contention for a while. But I, I realized that I enjoyed it very quickly, so I, I moved on um, and and started to enjoy myself. Um, and then when I was ten. Uh, my grandfather was, you know, kind of said, you know, he is, he has a great voice. We should, we should put him in some voice lessons. So we, I started that and auditioned for my first play musical in, um, when I was 10, Music Man um, at Huntington Valley Dinner Theater, uh, which is no longer there. But, uh, and that was it. I mean, from that moment on, I kind of knew that this is what I wanted to do, and uh, I've been uh, doing shows ever since. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's been kind of the love of my life, and I, I, I kind of couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, and eleventh hour was just this culmination of that. But uh, I, I will say this: I never envisioned creating my own company in college and even right outside of college, right out of college. That was, that would have been a pipe dream. And if you had asked any of my family at that point, if that would have been a a possibility, I think they all would have laughed and been like, there's no way. Um, Just because I don't think they would have thought that I was actually organized enough and, you know, motivated enough to do something like that. So it was, uh, it was, it was a really crazy thing that had happened, but 
Yeah, this has always been my passion. I will nice. say there's um, there's a phenomenal photo on our Facebook and Instagram pages <laughs> of Michael dressed mm -hmm. up for those early dance classes. That's right. So uh, yeah, from '84, I emailed his mom. Ooh. We we hopped on the uh, how She's it's starting, how it's too. going. She's aging me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry, Meg. I had okay. it's vintage. Right. It's so it's, you know, talk about what the autograph would be. That was from like who knows, but this picture of Michael <laughs> Philip O'Brien, this is worth something. It's good. Um yeah, it so you good. should you should check it out. It's a mm. pretty adorable costume. Wow. <laughs> nice. And and I guess then in an alternate universe, you're running a dojo somewhere. Um, <laughs> exactly. No doubt. Well, I did finally get to take karate. So I, took, <laughs> I did take karate. When I was about 12, I stopped taking dance classes and finally took karate. And I did that all through high school. So, so I, I did get that as well. Um, thank God. Because I, I still would have regretted that if I, if I didn't have that in my background. What color too. belt are you? I didn't know this about oh, you. I'm a black belt. <gasps> in Taekwondo. Wow. Yes. You're going to have to give us a little demonstration for our TikTok yeah, well, or something. My, uh, my body doesn't do what it used to do. This was when I was in high school, okay? So it's been a while. I did it in college a little bit too, but uh, that was it. That was, that was kind of the end. Nice. Well, we're learning lots about. I was going to say, right. learn something new. Wow. There you go. Very cool. <laughs> so, so uh, Grace, you went. Did you once you got out of high school? You went to. Uh, you said you went to college or university for theater. Yes, yes. Uh, where, I went to. Yeah. Where did you go, and what did you do? Uh, I went to the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, that's right. Um, and I studied theater arts there, and um, they have a wonderful extracurricular theatrical program. So there are seven different theater companies on campus. Um, oh, wow. And I think by the time I graduated, I ended up working with six out of the seven, serving on the board of two of them and <laughs> producing. And I also um, I was, was going to say, she president. was running all of them by the end of, yeah, by right, the end of, of college, <laughs> she was running them all. Um, I also belly danced in college. Um, I was the vice president of a belly dance troupe called Yala, which was really fun. Um, so yeah, I, I got to see a bunch of theater in Philly and the surrounding areas. And then I also got to uh, kind of produce, act, and uh, choreograph some stuff on campus. So that was really awesome. Nice. So I guess we're seeing a, a karate belly dancing show in the future for uh, uh, yes. 11th hour? A musical. We got to make a musical, right? I, I'm oh, seeing something here. Be, I'm yeah. seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael, you said you went to New York for, for school. How, yeah, how was yeah. that experience? It was great. I mean, so I actually went to, uh, when I as a freshman, I went to Ithaca College uh, in Ithaca, mm. New York. Yes. And um uh, did not enjoy the program quite as much as I, I would have liked to. Um, and so at the very last minute um, in August of my going into my sophomore year, I decided not to go back. So uh, I was kind of scrounging to see like where I could go. And at that point I didn't, um, it was too late to apply to any other musical theater programs if I wasn't going to go back to Ithaca. Um, so I just, I went to a local university in Philadelphia called Temple University for that first semester, for that whole year, my second year of college, and in the process auditioned at uh, NYU at their Tisch School of the Arts um, for early acceptance in November of that, my, what would have been my sophomore year, and uh, 
and got accepted. And then so I started at NYU uh, in my junior year and did two and a half years there. Um, so I, I graduated from NYU uh, and stayed in New York for a couple of years after that. And then kept kind of getting work in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from, obviously. And um, that was kind of it. Went, went back home and that's history. <laughs> nice. You got to go where the work is, right? If, if exactly. it's back home, never hurts. Exactly. Yep. So, so you headed back to Philadelphia after New York. Uh, how far along between getting back to Philly and starting <laughs> the 11th hour? What was the impetus to start the theater company? Well, it was one of those things where I think when I was in New York, I, I was getting kind of frustrated with the audition scene and I was kind of feeling like I wasn't being seen for things that I, I felt like I was appropriate and right for. Um, I didn't have a great experience with the agent that I was working with, so that was mm. kind of frustrating. Um, and I kept kind of getting work in Philly professionally out of college. So it was one of those things where right out of school, I booked a show at the Walnut Street and that was coming up later in the year. It was like eight months later. Um, and of course this was also all in, I graduated in August of 2001. Mm -hmm. So September 11th hit, <laughs> uh, a month after I graduated. And so everything shut down in New York, you know? So it was just a very kind of frustrating time. And as a young performer, you know, everyone was out of work at that point because of what happened. So young performers getting work was almost impossible at that point. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to go down and, and take a break from the city. Uh, and my, my friend Steve Pasek and I, who met at Ithaca, and Steve is from Philly as well, and... Um, he and I had lunch, and I had just produced a concert of the Who's Tommy in New York um, at an off-Broadway house. We had done like this one weekend event. We had these incredible, amazing performers. Um, I'm trying to think if there are people now. This was before they were famous, but um, uh, Sebastian Arcelis played Captain Walker. Um, Michael Longoria from Jersey Boys was Cousin Kevin. Jerry. Uh, Gertner was Uncle Ernie. Q Smith uh, from Far and Away was uh, um, uh, the Acid Queen. So, like, we had these, uh, all of us were kids. I knew all of them from college and we were friends. So, we produced this concert and it was, it was amazing. But we lost money because it was in New York. We sold out, <laughs> but still lost money. Yeah. Um, so, when I came back to Philly, I was like, you know what? I just want to create my own thing. I just want to start creating my own work. Mm -hmm. And that really spiraled very quickly into the fact of like, look, Philly, at that point, Philly was a, a theater scene that there were a lot of kind of established companies that had been around for maybe 10 years. Uh, and then there was this new group of artists that were coming in. And there were, I think, four companies that were founded at the same time as 11th Hour. Um, and all, we all did different things. So um, we just said, you know what, maybe we can give this a shot and hopefully we'll be able to create our own type of musical theater, like intimate story driven musicals. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we can also, you know, ideally build our career and, and, and work now instead of kind of waiting for New York or other, you know, other uh, regional scenes to kind of take notice of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the impetus to come back home and uh and also philly is a place that 
at that point and even now like you can live have a house have a car have all of yeah. these things and work full-time as a professional actor and performer so it was a very unique situation and we felt like it was kind of the perfect place for us to do this what, what was the first uh, musical the the theater company put <laughs> on well and what was that experience like you know now you have a company and this yeah. is the first one. I know you produce, you obviously produce stuff in New York. The, no, the, but that. it but was totally different. Baby, yeah, right? yeah. It was totally, I mean, we'd done concerts and things, which are one thing. But to produce a full musical was, was something, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we were 20, my sister, who is uh, just out of, actually, she was still in college at this point when we were doing this. And then Megan, Megan O'Brien, who's one of the founders. And then Steve, the three of us. We had, we'd never really done this, you know, we had, <laughs> so we were flying by the seat of our pants and we got support from some family to give us a little money with the idea that retroactively they could write it off once we got our nonprofit status. Like there were, we had a lot of things in the works and yeah. we had some really great support systems in Philly who had helped other companies do this. But, um, oh, it was, it was crazy. Like the, <laughs> the audacity of these 20 somethings to think that they could do this. But it went really well, and uh, it was a show called I Sing. Yeah. Uh, very appropriate. I don't know if you know it. The Gershwins? Um, uh, no, no. Oh. It's, it's by Eli, Eli oh. Bolden, and oh, I'm drawing a blank on the names <laughs> at this point. But it was a new musical. It was, it was a oh, brand okay. new piece that we had gotten recommended uh, to by a couple other people. And yeah, that was, it was a five-person musical, and uh, it went really well somehow and that was kind of it that was the start and and then we decided rather than trying to produce a full season what we wanted to do because we had such limited resources we wanted to just do one show a year to start and invest mm -hmm. all of our resources into that so we had equity contracts on from the beginning because both steve and i were in the union when we started um and you know we were we were able to kind of invest the uh, the money that we the very small amount that we had in costumes and sets and you know lighting equipment and all of that and theater rental um rather than trying to spread ourselves too thin and doing yeah. two or three offerings a year at the start makes sense makes sense so so gracie when did you first discover 11th hour <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, I graduated from college in 2016. I'm a little baby. Um, <laughs> and I discovered 11th hour when I was in my apprenticeship at a different theater company in town called interact theater company. Um, and the managing director there, Danny guy ended up leaving the year after my apprenticeship to become the managing director at 11th hour. <laughs> Um, but before that, he was like, this musical theater company is doing a musical about Lizzie Borden. And I was like, that's crazy. And so it uh, created a huge buzz all over town that this like all female rock musical about Lizzie Borden was happening in town. Um, and they won, you know, got nominated for a bunch of awards and uh, I had no, I had never heard of them before that and I like had no idea um what what a company was doing with a musical about lindsey borden yeah. and it sparked my interest and then um after danny left he was like 
hey, I liked working with you at, at Interact and we're looking for a, at that time, little marketing associate for a part-time <laughs> gig to like come into 11th hour. Um, so he kind of ushered me into the company and I fell in love. And now, you know, here I am a couple seasons later and I have graduated to the director of communications. So, um, nice. yeah. Was the position actually called Little Marketing Associate? Because that would have been awesome. <laughs> yes, the little was... No, it was just... <laughs> <laughs> little Marketing Associate. There I am. It was That's on my resume. Big, big Marketing Associate. <laughs> <laughs> so so what what um, drew you to, to the 11th hour? You know, I know Michael's listening, but uh, what, <laughs> what, what, did, what drew you to it, to, to stick around and, and enjoy it? I'm, I'm going to give you Morse code, okay? Help, please help, save me. Yeah, exactly. They're holding me against my will. She can't um, wait Cover your ears, Michael. Cover your ears. Uh, <laughs> I'm not listening. No. Um, actually, you know, I had been working on plays for a, a while um, and developing new work with Interact. And so they are only straight plays and they don't actually produce any musicals. Mm-hmm. Um and then I, I produced a play of my own. So I was like doing a lot of straight theater. And, um, you know, obviously I mentioned at the beginning of this that like musical theater really has always had my heart. And um, I'm not a great singer. So I knew pretty early on, I like realized that like that was not going to be the performative trajectory of my career was going yeah. to be singing in any way. And so when the opportunity came to kind of work in the administrative side, um, I was super excited because I, I really like the work that they're producing. I get to be around musical theater and incredible singers like all of the time. And it just makes my heart so happy to be able to, you know, belt the the soundtrack along in the office with you know mike and our interns and mm-hmm. my my dog gets to come to the office with me pepper rose she's a mascot around um <laughs> but i also just having the opportunity to go to things like NAMT and to kind of devour all of this new work that i didn't even realize was being created not just you know at NAMT and nationally, but uh, even in our city, there are so many amazing people who are creating brand new musical theater that I just hadn't been introduced to. And I love being able to live in that world now. And then not only that, but be able to promote them and to, uh, you know, spread their, their great work around the Philadelphia area. And now that we're online, uh, you know, all over. So, um, getting to to kind of spread that musical theater joy that I have loved for my entire life uh, is really, really satisfying. Nice. Yeah, I, I looked at some of the um, seasons, the past seasons of the show mm-hmm. and I, of the, the company, and, and I looked at them going, I love some of these. I'm glad you put them on. Like The <laughs> yeah. Life. And uh-huh. um, I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, more obscure ones that not everybody does. What is the, the company's mandate for, for choosing what shows uh, get produced? Well, I think, you know, the majority of what we do is... the, the Okay, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where to start with this because it's a big <laughs> idea. Um, so when we, when we first started the organization, one of the, some of the major things that we talked about was um, expanding the boundaries of musical theater. And in general, the idea of producing things that maybe would not be produced elsewhere. And also from a musical standpoint, 
um, are from genres that you don't expect necessarily to be part of a musical performance, right? Mm -hmm. um, so shows like Bomity of Errors and um, I'm trying to think of Avenue X, which is an all acapella musical. Um, you know, we, we tried to really push the envelope in that direction. Obviously, rock musicals is something that we've done a lot of. Yeah. Um, but also the idea of creating like an intimate and lasting relationship between our audience and our artists is something that we've talked about. And that's something that I feel like so often is not a part of musical theater is that like intimacy of um, kind of a small scale production where you're up close and personal to artists. So I think like initially that was the, the impetus to the, to the material that we produced. Um, but we never really felt like we wanted to produce kind of classic works either. Mm -hmm. And so unless we were going to do something dramatically different with them. Um, so like, you know, we did The World Goes Round in 2007, I think. And that feels more classical from a, from a content standpoint. But mm -hmm. what we did was we, it was a dueling pianos version of the show. Mm -hmm. And um, we had some vocal arrangements that we did uh, where the horns and um, brass instruments were actually utilized. We utilized the singers of the show. And it was only a five-person rendition. So um, we did some new arrangements. And it was all based on, each individual song was based on news articles of the time. Um, and so, you know, I, we, <laughs> we did Sarah Lee, which was a part of that. And that was... Um, based on it was right at the peak of when the South Beach diet was like a huge thing going yeah. on. So, so the whole point of Sarah, the Sarah Lee song was that um, the character was sitting on the, a park bench eating their like carrots and celery and reading um, their South Beach diet book. And then someone <laughs> came and sat down next to them and ate like a whole Sarah Lee pound cake while they were trying so like we you know we just kind of took a new take on all of it and that was just one example um but so i think like the approach at least initially was just to kind of do things that you wouldn't see anywhere else in philadelphia mm -hmm. and then what's what it's grown to is we do a lot of new work we we really love developing new musical theater um we also do a lot of philly premieres as well um, so that has become more a part of our producing venture later as the company has kind of grown is we've gone, okay, if we're going to do something, we want to make sure that it's, it hasn't been seen very often in Philly. And if it has, it's only been seen, you know, once or twice and that's it. Um, yeah. you know, so that's kind of, uh, how we pick materials. Um, but stylistically it's, it's all about story to us. Um, you know, I think that if we feel like we can tell a compelling story uh, and, and feel like our artists are able to kind of dive into that and, and you know, sink their teeth into some kind of strong material, uh, it's, it's right at the top of our list. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the 2012-2013 se season and I wish I had seen it because you got <laughs> the last five years and Into yeah. the Woods, which, you know, are pretty standards. Yes. But then you got uh, Andrew Lip as the Wild Party and Passing mm -hmm. Strange and, and Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. And I'm looking <laughs> yes. at those three alone. I'm yeah. going, oh, I wish I had been able to see those. <laughs> yeah, that's so. that's I, I think that we know that we have a kind of niche in our community. Mm -hmm. Um and that is this type of show that we feel like 
our diehard audience members want to see. And also, like I said, you're not going to see that anywhere else really in Philly. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that, that, that those are the things that we're introducing the community to. Yeah, just some of the shows. I'm like, you're making it difficult for me not to come down there. Because I, mean, we're, I was talking <laughs> with Gracie off off air, and it's only an eight hour drive. And I'm like, oh, eight hours is nothing if you I can see come. bloody bloody Andrew Jackson. You are welcome. You are welcome anytime, my friend. Anytime. <laughs> well, once the borders open, I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> yeah, right. down and uh, visiting so many. I know. I, I, I know. Hope. I know. It's funny you mentioned bloody bloody because I think that. It, Something else that when I joined 11th Hour, I like looked up on the wall of all of the posters and it was so mm -hmm. many shows that like I love, but that when I talk about, like people are like, what the hell is that show? Oh yes. my God, can I say that? We're like, <laughs> it was bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. I had just choreographed at Penn and I was like, oh my God, I love that show. Mm -hmm. And then like a wild party I also love. Mm -hmm. And so like just looking up there and being like, wow, no one does these musicals. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so great to see like a professional high quality production being done in my backyard. And I think that something 11th hour does really well, you know, not to toot our own horn, but um, kind of redefines what people think of as traditional musical theater mm -hmm. and the musical theater going experience and that it doesn't have to be like parade, you know, all the time <laughs> that yep. you can go and see a hilarious comedy about field hockey. Like we did a show called Field Hockey yeah. Hot and you can see uh, Trailer Park the Musical yes. and you can also, you know, see historical stories. Like my favorite show that we've done in my time was Bonnie and Clyde because I had mm -hmm. like, you know, didn't do that great on Broadway for all sorts of reasons. We know that, you know, show business can be rather political but when we take that out of it and just look at the work and we look at the story and the music and we're like wow actually this is a really great piece of art like let's produce it and kind of give it a, a, another life that it deserves um is something really special and specifically our concert format really allows for us to kind of Mm -hmm. strip away some of the you know moving set pieces and all of the like a titanic boat on stage like nobody like okay maybe we don't actually need that like what happens when yeah. you you know that has its place and can be super fun but when you take all that away musical theater is really about storytelling and connection and evoking emotional responses from audience members. Um, so we can do shows like Grey Gardens that require, you know, usually you have the, this like giant mansion that is just like filled with all sorts of nonsense. Um, but when you kind of take that away and peel back the layers, it's a story about a mother and a daughter and, mm -hmm you know, what, what happens when we really just showcase that relationship. I know my mom came to see children of Eden and like literally just left in tears. And she was like, I'm not sure why I'm crying, but this is the first time I felt hopeful in a really long time. And I was like, Oh my God, that was really dramatic. Thanks mom. Um, but like it, it really is wonderful to, you know, my mom loves musical theater and she had never even heard of Children of Eden. Yeah. And then for her to experience something like this was just not something that she had experienced going 
to a Broadway show. You know, this is, was a 120 seat house and she was like this close to the actors, which now she's obsessed with and follows them <laughs> all on social media. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to what Mike is talking about with the, the relationship between actor and audience. That's really unique to what we can do here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, you brought up a uh, field hockey hot. Um, you <laughs> had the world premiere of that in 2014, 15. Um, what, draws you to a new piece i know we talked about bonnie and Clyde and, and bloody bloody and all those shows that you know have had runs either on broadway or things like that but sure. the new stuff what yeah. what drew you to field hockey hot and any of the new stuff that uh, you produce yeah it's been it's been very different it's it's it depends on the piece really like what mm -hmm. happened with field hockey hot was um michael ogborn who is a local um uh, Philadelphia playwright, uh, musical theater writer. Uh, he's written shows called uh, like uh, called Baby Case, and he's written a bunch of other musicals, um, Cafe Putinesca, and um, I'm trying to think of other ones, uh, Tulipomania, and most of which have been done at some of the larger theaters in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, but he saw our 2008, I think, production of Reefer Madness, mm -hmm. and right after that show, came up to us and said, listen, I, I love what you guys do. I really would love to write something for you guys. And, you know, this is like one of the biggest, he's the most prolific musical theater writer in Philadelphia, you know? And yeah. so we were like, uh, okay, sure. Like, let <laughs> us know, you know? And so it took a little while to manifest, but basically he came to us probably two years later, something like that and said, hey, I have this idea which was different from the original show that he had pitched to us. Um, and he was like, it's called Field Hockey Hot, and it's about an all-girls field hockey team in 1984 trying to win the national championship that was thwarted and taken from them in 1969. And so all of the music was kind of pastiche to 1980s, artist yeah so you have like scenes from a spaghetti benefit which was a, a you know an homage to billy joel's uh scenes from an italian restaurant and um but they're all original songs they're just yeah. in the style right and um you have uh uh field hockey hot obviously which is the title song which is this like crazy 80s you know rock tune you know a la Def leopard or you know, then you have um, Stick To It, which was an Elton John song. Um, you know, it was, it was ridiculous. And it was so funny and so out there and bizarre that we were like, how can we... I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I did at his pitch meeting with us. It was like a half hour straight of just laughing. Um, and so that took about two and a half years to develop. We did... Uh, an initial workshop at University of the Arts with their students, uh, which is amazing. We're, we're very fortunate to have multiple universities in, in Philly that have programs, musical theater programs. Um, so we're able to kind of give the students an experience working on a new musical and then also have talent to work on it. Um, so we did that and then we did a, a workshop with the professional artists that were going to do the show. And then we produced the world premiere in 2014. And, and so it was a long process, but that, I will say that was probably the easiest process because Michael Ogborn is, 
a magician and like no like literally can write and create within minutes you know so and he had written so many musicals at this point and so he had a system down um the on the other side we we worked with brand new writers two two guys um who had never written a musical before which uh we developed a show called something like a war which is still in development and that was a bluegrass musical about the civil war and and reconstruction after the civil war and baseball um so totally the opposite of um not funny let's put it that way there was humor but not a funny piece right um and then in between those two we did uh we developed a new musical called um Big Red Sun, which was written by Georgia Stitt and John Schuyler. And that was a piece that had been in development for 10 years before we got it. And they, they had gone away from it and they were coming back to it. And we had, John wrote Avenue X. And so he saw our production and loved what we had done and had, had maintained contact with us and said, listen, we're looking for a small theater company kind of outside of New York to work on this. I love you guys. Would you be interested? And, uh, it was amazing. We, we worked on that for uh, about, yeah, about two years as well. And, um, you know, getting to work with someone like Georgia Stitt was amazing and incredible. And she is oh, as talented as she is. She's an even better human being. So it was, it was just <laughs> a wonderful experience. Um, and we, yeah. And then that, that happened. So those are the three like world premieres that we've, that we've worked on. Um, but they're all totally different. And that was kind of a, a, a musical that was had music from the rock music, but also music from like the, the golden age, like 20s and 30s style music, all of which was written by Georgia and John and, um, you know, was about World War II and, and uh, post-traumatic stress. And like, so they're, they're so different, but I think it's in, in the same way in every respect, it, it's all story for us, um, you know, and we feel like even camp, which is such a huge part of musical theater, camp musical theater, um, yeah. the only way it works is if the stakes are so high from artists and actors and the, the directing team that they believe so strongly in the fact that field hockey in 1984 is the most important thing ever that it works that's the only way it works so i think that it's it's all story based but but stylistically it's all over the map for what we've what we've done well you know what the fact that you will, are willing to take that risk and and work on new shows is fantastic because we we need more theater companies like yourself that are willing to take that risk because there is there is a risk of putting on something mm -hmm. new because it's easy when you put on something people know um, though you're putting on things that not everybody knows in the first place but uh, and you know as an artist mm -hmm. we, we thank you we thank you for taking well, these risks and, and trying new things so yeah i, I just want to say that to you uh, yeah we we, we love it and it, it is risky and you know i think that we're any moment that that happens where it's a risk to do it because like, as you said, people don't know it. And, and mm -hmm. some of them have been extreme, like field hockey hot was the most successful show we've ever done, you know, uh, um, where other shows that we've done that are world premieres or, or Philly premieres are, <laughs> we did see what I want to see, which a Michael John LaCusa play, mm -hmm. which we all love. And yeah. the production we felt like was really excellent, but it did not, 
people didn't know what to do with that piece, you know, and we tried in every way to find a way to market it. But that's, I think in, in general, Michael John LeCue says, uh, trials and tribulations with the material he writes is they're they're yes. not the most producible things so yep. you know we took a yeah. shot on that one um so it, it you know it's it's tricky but i think that uh, i read a quote in and I'll, i'm paraphrasing totally but when when we did passing strange years ago um i read a quote in the preface which um uh heidi one of the writers wrote and she she said at the end about the fact that they didn't want to be on Broadway, that that wasn't their goal. Mm -hmm. They basically were like, we wanted to create a piece that even if people didn't come, we still wanted to do it and we were still proud to do it. And that's so paraphrased, but, it, it, but yeah. basically that was a moment. That was a, when I was reading through that, it was a moment to me to kind of double down on what we, what we do, you know, and to say, right, this is the way to go. Every time we had tried to get too commercial, we felt like it backfired on us. Um, and so that idea of like creating the work that you want and that you feel is valuable and important in, in the, with the idea that the audience will find that, the audience that you're looking for will find you, you know? And I think that um, that's the ultimate goal, at least. <laughs> well, congratulations on uh, putting that together and, and the company and all it does, so. So I, I want to talk and move forward now. When we're recording this, we're still in the, the, the pandemic times and, and theater companies are hit hard and they're trying to figure out what to do. So, Gracie, what, what has 11th Hour done to keep itself, you know, in the forefront of people's minds and, 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 and even pivoting? Because obviously we can't do anything live right now. What has what 11th Hour done to, um, you know, fill in the gaps? That is yeah, right now? absolutely. Um I think now more than ever entertainment and specifically, you know, musical theater entertainment is so important and is really crucial to keeping people's spirits up and giving people a sense of connection. So um, we push forward and, and are trying to, you know, translate to this new digital platform that we're all living in. Um, so we created a virtual membership over the summer that really highlighted uh, some 11th hour favorite artists. Um, I think a, a common denominator in everything that Michael was talking about is, is really the people that we work with are, mm -hmm. are, are the driving force behind this mm -hmm. company. And, um, you know, from writers to performers and everywhere in between. And so we wanted to really give the artists kind of free reign to express themselves and what they're feeling during this time. And um, we had some really incredible people who were generous enough to welcome our audience into their very own living room and, uh, you know, put on a cabaret, which whatever that means right now. So we got three very different styles of shows um, and they were so much fun. The most fun that I've had during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> The first thing we did actually was a virtual karaoke event where we invited everyone to come and, and sign up to sing a song if they'd like. Um, so we had some of our supporters who just kind of laid it all out on, on Zoom. <laughs> and 
it was so much fun. Um, and then Steve Pasek and his partner, Jesus, who was an opera singer, um, they very seldom get to perform together, but in this extenuating circumstance, they were able to kind of live out their their dreams in some <laughs> singing some duets and Jesus got to, got to be Phantom of the Opera. Um, <laughs> so that was really great. Uh, Bijan No and David Rain, who are local artists, uh, B mostly does straight theater. So it was really fun. She did some songs from Moana and uh, Hair. And they, uh, I didn't even know that David was actually like a literal rock star in Europe. <laughs> he like actually had a rock band and all this original music. Um, and I had known him from doing Shakespeare over the summer. So um, and then our, our third couple was Alex Kuyper and Michael Doherty, who have been working with the company basically since its inception. And they created this series of incredible little vignettes, including a finger puppet rock opera based on their cat. Um, and it was incredible. I mean, it was really amazing. So um, we had those those three cabarets kind of over the course of, of the summer months. And then interspersed, we had our musical theater salons, which we invite um, artists that work behind the scenes to uh, come and talk directly to our audience and our audience can ask them questions live. Um, so, you know, choreographers who audience members never really get to see in person. Um, they were able to kind of connect with them and, and talk about, you know, what is, what does it go into uh, choreographing a piece of musical theater? Um, we had music directors as well and um, some designers, some light and sound designers, um, which people are, are just like, yeah, the lights look great, but they don't really understand everything that goes into making so every specific moment. Um, so that was really wonderful to kind of, be able to provide those people, especially designers and music directors and choreographers right now, like performing is, is very easily translatable to a, a digital platform where you can, you know, record yourself singing or doing a music video or something. Um, but what's the lighting designer going to do, you know? <laughs> so um, it was really wonderful to be able to, to kind of bring them in and, and, uh, give them some work as well as kind of pick nice. their brain for our audience members. So we have some more virtual cabarets lined up for the spring. Um, we're very excited to, to have a couple more duos putting together some stuff and, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're also very excited. It's our 16th season, which like, what does a season mean right now? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but we decided we're going to throw ourselves a big sweet 16 party because we are the princesses of musical theater. <laughs> so um, that's going to be happening in, uh, you know, probably February as well. We're going to have a, a big Sweet 16 bash. So y'all are invited. Very mm -hmm. cool. Very cool. Well, I just want to say thank you to the both of you for coming on and, and, and talking about uh, the 11th Hour Theater Company and, and about yourselves and and how you're, you're, you're continuing theater despite everything that is going on. So I want to congratulate you both on, on everything you've done. Thanks. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much for having us. No problem. But before we go, uh, I always ask three questions of all my guests. Now, there's no <laughs> right or wrong answer. Oh, no. But there is a wrong answer. Just a, <laughs> there's one wrong answer. Um, so question number one, and, I, and Gracie, we'll start with you first, and then Michael, you can answer after. Great. Um, so question number one is, 
Who is your favorite creator or team when it comes to music, lyrics, or book? You know, which one uh, touches you the most or is your, is your favorite or, you know, you just enjoy for whatever reason? Um, I am a huge Stephen Sondheim fan. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince as a, a collaborative team did some, did some magic, um, mm -hmm. for the, the genre of musical theater. And I was lucky enough to actually choreograph a show for Hal Prince. Um, oh, wow. he is a pen alum and he wanted to workshop love music, which was something that had not done great on Broadway. And so he brought it back, um, <laughs> with his associate director, Dan Kuttner. Um, and I was like, I'm choreographing for Hal Prince. <laughs> um, and then in the same year, I like met Stephen Sondheim at an event at the Arden. So those two kings of, of musical theater, I am just awed by. So I would have to say, say them. Nice. Michael, yourself. Oh, man, it's hard. Um, <laughs> I know. It's not I mean, easy. I, no, I would. Eh, I'll say this. The mo the, I think the person who is the most impactful in my career as a musical as far as lyrics and yeah. and music is jason robert brown um i think seeing like obviously when i was in college songs for new world was happening and uh in that and it had just been done in new york and <clears throat> so those songs were really prevalent in my brain but i think last five years when that happened mm -hmm. i was just out of college and just the idea that you can really write the way that people talk yeah. <laughs> and make it complicated and sophisticated while also not too overly complicated, right? Um, <clears throat> I think that, I, I will say he's been the most Im influential writer, I think, of my life. Okay. So that's what I would This say. question, there is no right or wrong. You, you, okay. This is an opinion, so you both get a point. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Great. Now, We're now, starting now if Sondheim is yeah. listening, you might be in trouble, Michael, because he's Yeah, I know, I know, but, I know. Uh, yep. <laughs> I didn't want to we'll go see. traditional. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> I can't help it. And the other show was uh, Assassins was the other poster that was on. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love Assassins. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sticking nice. with Sondheim, Mike. It's fine. It's, hey, it's all good. I get it. Yeah, you're not going to go wrong by no, choosing no, Stephen Sondheim. No, no you definitely can't. No one's, no one's going to call you out and go, what? <laughs> so you're okay. All right, so question number two. Yep. Is there a show you want 11th Hour uh, to put on? Uh, just because you love the show and want to see it on stage, you don't, you don't care what anybody else thinks. There's this show you want to see on stage uh, because oh, you just have always wanted to see it. Uh, Gracie, is there? Is yeah, there you a go show first, that... Gracie. I got to think about this. This is hard. <laughs> okay, it's not. Yes, I want to do six so bad. <laughs> I love six. It's you know. It's on Broadway, so, you know, yeah. I don't know how underproduced it's going to be by the time we get around to it, but <laughs> the, like, all-female pop rock group, um, Danny Guy, the former managing director, and I used to just blast the soundtrack and be like, Mike, isn't this such an 11th hour show? We should totally do this yeah, for 11th hour. Yeah. Don't you want to do this for 11th hour? Um, so six is, is my dream for the okay. company. Well, that is a possibility at some point, not right away, but yeah, right. Okay. You know, five, six years, we'll, we're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And and Michael, what what show just you yeah. always want to see on stage? I I would say Floyd Collins. Is, I I saw that. Yeah. Yep. And 
It's been at the top of our list for a long time. We do these concerts, as Gracie said, and that has been, we've, we tried to do it as a concert and uh, the rights organizations are not willing to do that. So uh, at some point, I would love to see Floyd Collins on an 11th hour stage. Nice. That, again, points for both of you. Good choices. <laughs> you were two for two. So great, far. great. <laughs> now the question <laughs> that Uh-oh. might trip you up. Uh-oh. All right. Audience members eating food in the theater, yes or no? Gracie? Uh, uh, hmm. Okay, define food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can open the dictionary here. And <laughs> um, I think in general, no, because people are monsters and they leave crumbs <laughs> and wrappers and all sorts of stuff. Like if you could, mm-hmm. if people could behave themselves, then I would allow it. But I just, I don't trust them. So I'm going to go with a no. Yeah. Michael? Um, I would say depends on the show. And okay. what I mean by that is if you're doing a show like um, Rock of Ages or um, I'm trying to think of another, like even like Hedwig or something along Hedwig. those lines. If, if you can do kind of a cabaret style approach yep. to the show, then I, murder ballad, like things like that, then I think, yes, <laughs> but limited food, not yeah. dinner theater food. And the caveat is always wine. You can always have alcohol. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. part's yeah. fine. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw I saw a SpongeBob here in Toronto, and oh. there was popcorn and children everywhere. But <laughs> at that point, you just yeah. write it off and go, okay. I feel sorry for everybody who has to clean that up. After right. Them. Right. Wow. Yep. So. That's gonna be me. So no, no, ma'am. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah really. I always think about the people me who have too. to clean it up. That, those are the most <laughs> yep. important people. Yep. But uh, you, I will give you um, seven eighths points answer for that one, uh, be- because I always say no. But you gave justifications, and mm-hmm. I will give you seven eighths. All right, great. So, I'll take so it. So not perfect. We'll take it. Hey, that's all right. Still, <laughs> I might I might, might ask sooner or later. Uh, choose between food and cell phones in the theater. That might be a harder one. Yeah, I would say. Lord. I would say food. Yeah. I, I was gonna say that too. Uh, yeah. Cell phones in a theater. The are, cell phones a are brutal. <laughs> no man. But cell phones don't smell though. Like, <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's why I said it, it depends on the food, right? Yeah. Like you trying to bring can't... hard-boiled eggs in here, like ew, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you got to be anything besides cautious. that. Like this popcorn's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, again, that. Thank you for answering these questions. Thank you for uh, coming on today and talking to me. Um, it's been great to learn about your company. And like I said, it's only eight hours away. I think if that right show or shows come on, uh-huh. you're making my life difficult. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a drive. All right. Make it happen. Let's make it awesome. happen. Well, okay. Well, again, thank you both for coming on today. Thanks Thank so much you. for, having, Thanks us. for having, us. having us. It was a blast. No problem. So we were speaking with a Gracie and Michael from the 11th Hour Theater Company. So tune in next week to be our guest as we'll be speaking with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and I will see you when I see you. Perfect. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. 
Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community.